With Andrew Benintendi now off the board, we take a look at what's next on the trade deadline target list for the Atlanta Braves. Who could they be going after? We'll run through a list of several names, hitters, starting pitchers, relievers, the Braves that need them all. We'll discuss that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. And check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at TomahawkTake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, feedback that you have for the episode. We'll be doing a mailbag podcast on Friday, so make sure that you send in any questions that you have for that episode. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell. Helps out the show a ton. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode of the Lockdown Braves podcast, we're going to recap the ugly game from Wednesday. Talk about Charlie Morton's start and the offense not being able to do much once again in a day game in a series finale. Uh, we'll discuss that. But we'll spend a majority of the time in this episode talking about the trade targets that are left out there, especially with Andrew Benintendi now off the board. So we'll discuss a lot of that on today's episode. But let's get the ugliness out of the way first. Let's talk about Wednesday's game, the series finale in Philadelphia. The Braves dropped the game 7-2. to They once again lose in day games, fight 15-19 and 19 now in day games. As Grant McCauley said on the postcast we recorded last night, it feels much worse than that. But also another series finale loss for whatever reason, just struggling in series finales. And when you combine that with it being a day game, uh, led to an ugly loss for the Braves. And it really was just one inning that got away from them in that fifth inning. And with the Mets winning, also taking down the Yankees in both of those games this week, the Yankees not able to help out the Braves at all. The Mets now extend their lead in the division to three games. So, Certainly nothing the Braves can't overcome, especially with all the games they have left against the Mets, but certainly unfortunate that the Yankees weren't at least able to win one of those games. Take a look at Charlie Morton's outing from Wednesday, and he was cruising along through the first four innings. Looked like vintage Charlie Morton, but he did run into a little bit of trouble in the fourth inning. Had first and third, one out, but then got a, a easy double play to get out of that jam. You go to the top of the fifth inning, you got the eight, nine, and one hitters up for the Braves. They see four pitches get four uh, three-week ground balls, and Charlie Morton goes back out to the mound before he even gets a chance to take a sip of water. Walks the leadoff batter, Bryson Stott, who was just completely annoying in this series. And Braves pitchers, for whatever reason, just refuse to get ahead of him and throw him strikes. So he walks Bryson Stott to lead off the inning. He throws away the ball at first base. Bryson Stott makes all the way to third with nobody out. Braves bring the infield in, which or not all the way in, but you know halfway in. I don't think it would have mattered uh, on the hit that came next that followed, but still an interesting decision that point in the game. 
But they get a hit, take a one nothing lead. Then you get another error, this one by Robinson Cano, who I think was trying to set himself up in position to turn a double play. Instead, probably should have just taken the out at first base. Then you get uh, another single. You get a sack fly, a stolen base, a walk, a double steal, a single, and then you get a double play finally to get out of the jam. But when all is said and done, Charlie Morton gives up five runs in the fifth inning, four of them earned. Things just really got out of hand. Like I said, he was cruising up to that point and looked like the Charlie Morton we're used to seeing. But whether it was a combination of you know having a little bit of stress in that fourth inning combined with the, the very quick top half of the fifth inning, I mean, it's, it's almost like he just pitched the fourth and fifth innings back-to-back consecutively with how quick that top of the fifth inning was. And, and that was just brutal. I, I tweeted that out after that top of the fifth inning, just how dreadful of an inning that was. You had a guy in Kyle Gibson who you really hadn't gotten to, but you had at least made work through the first four innings. And then in that fifth inning, you go up there and only make him throw four pitches and you put your pitcher right back out there on a hot day game. Um, again, I'm not trying to make excuses for Charlie Morton, I think that certainly can be excused for the leadoff walk. Just wasn't, uh, didn't look very sharp against Bryson Stott. Again, none of the pitchers looked sharp against Bryson Stott for whatever reason in this series. But things just got out of hand, and they spiraled on him in that fifth inning, and just was not able to put put out a fire and put it, get a stop to it. So, uh, really, just unfortunate there for Charlie Morton. And you know, we're back now to kind of what are we getting from Charlie Morton? He had a really good stretch there, then had a bad game against the Mets where he gave up three home runs. Then he has this game where just, again, the one inning, things got away from him. So we're still not seeing that Charlie Morton that's consistently going six, seven innings all the time, you know, two earned or less that we saw last year. I'm still not completely back on the worry train for Charlie Morton, but it is a little disconcerting the fact that two of his last three starts have been uh, not great, and that he's given up a bunch of runs in those starts. Even after the five run runs that he gave up in the fifth inning, Braves come back out in the sixth, and Matt Olson, Olson gets a two-run homer to get the Braves back in the game, but then they give it right back in the bottom half of the sixth inning. You get a bloop double to start off an inning, a ball that is has to be caught. I get there in a shift, but somebody's got to get to that baseball then you get a double by Alec Bohm, who had seven hits in this series. A wild pitch by Matzik, and then a sack fly. Next thing you know, they're giving those two runs right back to the Phillies. This is honestly just an ugly game defensively, particularly in that fifth and sixth inning. Uh, Braves just did not play well in this game, and you're hoping you're not starting to see a trend of good, ugly, good, ugly, good, good, ugly, ugly that we saw you know, earlier in the year and last year where they're just not playing consistently good baseball every time they go out there. Look, it's it's six games after the All-Star break. We don't need to overreact too much to that. They're three and three in those games. But just something to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks because they have a big stretch of baseball coming up, especially to start the beginning of August. Offense in this game couldn't do much. They had a base runner in each of the first four innings, but then couldn't do anything with that, really just couldn't get to Kyle Gibson and put enough pressure on him to knock him out of the game early. You know, after the Olsen home run, you only had, which that was with no outs in the sixth inning, and then they only had two base runners the rest of the game. So, 
Again, I don't know what it is about the Braves' offense in day game. The ball doesn't travel as much, or they not seeing it as well. But they just could not get anything going on Wednesday. As on some positives from the game, Dance we got on base three times, had a hit, and also walked twice. Eddie Rosario had another nice game with two hits. That's great to see. And then finally, I want to mention the Robinson Cano experience. I think that's got to be over. I didn't mind it when it happened. You get a left-handed hitter in there, um, but he hasn't been good defensively. At least RC has given you great defense at second base, and he's not giving you much on offense either. I think that experiment has to go, uh, and I think the Braves probably make an upgrade there at the deadline. Uh, again, you're still hoping, expecting to get Ozzy Albies back at some point, so you don't want to you know, acquire somebody too big for that spot. That's why I kind of like the Brandon Drury or maybe even Ian Happ idea as somebody who can play outfield and play second base uh, as somebody to target at the deadline. But I think Cano got to go at this point. Next, I want to take a look at some trade targets after the Andrew Benintendi trade. What is left out there for the Braves to grab? We'll talk about that next. Whether you're a casual card collector or looking for exciting alternative investment opportunities, the free sports card investor app has something for you. If you're looking for breakout stars or prospects debuting, check the value or find great deals on their first cards with the sports card investor app. If you're looking for nostalgia and old players, go back in time and see how much your favorite cards are worth today. With the free sports card investor app, you can pull out those old cards of your favorite childhood players and see how much they are worth today. Stay up to date of all the latest record-breaking baseball card sales with a completely free sports card investor app. I use it. It's great. I love to go see what some of the good Braves prospects cards are going for. I used it for some Michael Harris rookie cards that I had, a Kyle Wright card that I just sold as well. Um, there's never been a better time to start collecting cards of your favorite players like Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna Jr., with the free sports card investor app, you can see the latest values and find great deals to build a one-of-a-kind collection. Download the sports card investor app today, available for free in the Google Play Store and Apple App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. Thanks again for making Locked On Braves your first to listen every day. The MLB trade deadline is August 2nd, and Locked On MLB has all the breakdowns. We're going to be doing a lot of special shows on that day. I will be a part of those as well, so make sure you subscribe to Locked On MLB on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Braves on YouTube as well. So we'll have rapid reaction as the Braves make moves on the deadline day, August 2nd. So make sure you subscribe there on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts so you get all the trade deadline coverage. And the trade deadline is approaching quickly, coming up next Tuesday, August the 2nd. I wanted to reassess kind of the top targets for the Braves, where what I think they need, what their needs are, and kind of rank them in order of need and this is very subject subjective. Let me know if you disagree in the comments below. But I think their top target has to be a big bat, and preferably somebody that can play second and somebody who can play corner outfield. That's why, for me, I think Ian Anderson, or not Ian Anderson, Ian Happ, has to be target number one for the Braves. Um, probably not somebody you want to keep it second, but somebody who has done it at least in the past more so going to be your corner outfielder. I just think he's a big fit for what the Braves need. That's why, for me, he's, he should be their primary target right now. 
Number two, I think they need a dominant back end reliever, preferably right handed. There aren't a ton of great relievers on this market. David Robertson being the best known to be available. We're going to talk about a little bit uh, later, some more options that are out there, but don't know if they're available or not, or exactly what the price tag will be. But for me, that's number two on the shopping list is a dominant right-handed back end reliever for seventh, eighth inning, somebody who may be also able to close. And then third is a mid rotation starter. This is where I think a lot of you may disagree with me uh, listening or look at reading the comments on YouTube. A lot of you think that the Braves really need to go out there and get a top frontline starter. Look, I, I believe in Max Reed. Obviously, I think a lot of you do. I think the Kyle Wright breakout is for real. I trust him in a game two or three in a playoff series. And I, I just have to believe Charlie Morton is going to figure it out. And again, he had a nice run there for a while for the last two out of three starts that have kind of been more shaky. But look, I, you can get by in the postseason with three good starters. And then, you know, you have Ian Anderson who has a lot of postseason success. I don't have a lot of faith in him right now. You could use Spencer Strider if you had to. But again, I'm good with, with Freed, Wright, and Morton. I think you have to be able to to live with those three at the top and then go out and get a mid-rotation starter to fill in for that four spot if needed. If Ian Anderson doesn't come around or if you want to move Spencer Strider back to the bullpen where I think he can be a dangerous weapon and find a way to limit his innings that way. So I do think the Braves need to get a starter. Look, I think they need to do all of these. But for me, a big bat, a dominant back-end reliever are more important right now than getting – a mid-rotation starter. But again, I want to make it clear. I think they need to do all three of those things. And then fourthly, I think they obviously need to improve their bench depth, uh, replace Cano, Heredia, Mike Ford. You know, those are going to all be replaced on the bench right now. So it's all about getting depth. You don't know what injuries are going to come up in these last couple of months. This is your last real opportunity to create some depth on your bench to prepare for those potential injuries. So. I think they need to do all four of those things. Will they? Probably not. That's a pretty big shopping list, but that's what I think they need to be doing, and that's the order uh, and priority that I think they should be doing them in. So, again, let me know if you disagree in the comments section. Mentioned several times at the top, Andrew Benintendi traded to the New York Yankees on Wednesday night for three pitching prospects. Obviously, a lot of fans out there were hoping the Braves would be in on Benintendi. Was not the case. We're not able to acquire him. The prospects the Yankees gave up probably you know, aren't going to inspire a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to think the Braves could have beat that or matched that, but I just don't – it depends on how the Royals value certain prospects. I think three prospects the Yankees gave up are young arms who are mid to, the ro- mid to back of the rotation starters who perhaps have some upside – Wrote an article about it Wednesday night on TomahawkTake.com. If you try to compare that to what the Braves may have given up, it would have been something like uh, Darius Vines, uh, Royber Salinas, and Dylan Dodd, three young pitchers at the lower levels. I know Vines and uh, Dodd are at AA, but you know that's something that would have been comparable. I don't know if that's better than the package that the Yankees gave up, but that's probably what you would have been looking at if the Braves had – perhaps made a move for Benintendi, but the Yankees get him. So what is next with Benintendi off the board? For me, like I said, I think the number one priority for the Braves has has to be Ian Happ. I just think he makes too much sense. He comes with a little bit 
of control as well for next season. Uh, he gets on base. He has power. He's really cut down on his strikeouts this year as well. So I just really love the fit of Ian Happ. David Peralta, uh, who's be coming in this weekend with the Diamondbacks, I think makes a lot of sense. A left-handed hitter, a rental should be pretty cheap. Not making a lot of money the rest of the year either. Absolutely crushes righties throughout his career. Uh, while his overall numbers have gone down the last two seasons, he still hits righties really well. Uh, you would have to also get a right-handed outfielder to kind of platoon with him and still take over that spot uh, left by Adam Duvall. But I think Peralta would really help you know, create some more depth on the team and on the lineup. You wonder if it becomes too redundant with he and Rosario and how do you get both of them in the lineup versus a right-handed pitcher. But I think Peralta is perhaps another option that the Braves could look at that would be pretty cheap. And he at least does one thing really well, and that's hit righties. And he plays a pretty good defense as well. Probably be an upgrade over Rosario in that respect. But there's just not a lot of great bats out there on the market that we know of. You look at Tyler Naquin of the Reds. I think he's just a a worse platoon version of David Peralta. You know, maybe you could talk the Orioles into giving up Anthony Santander or Austin Hayes, but those are likely going to be pricey pieces, and the O's aren't quite out of it yet. I mean, they're hovering around 500, a good young team. They may not want to break that up and continue, you know, just playing good ball the rest of the way and gaining confidence. So I don't know how active the Orioles are going to be in trading off pieces. Ramon Laureano from the A's I think could make some sense. I don't necessarily – Love that fit now. I loved it earlier in the year uh, when the Braves had a need in center field, but they no longer have a need in center field. So uh, I don't know that Laureano makes a ton of sense now. Tommy Fan, he could be the right-handed uh, platoon partner with Rosario, with Peralta. He has some speed, has some power, gets on base at a decent clip. Uh, not great. Takes fantasy football way too seriously. But I think Tommy Fan, also of the Reds, could be an option. If you're just looking for a right-handed power hitter, Jordan Luplo, uh, also uh, coming in this weekend, is slugging 553 against lefties this year. But you go to Colorado, and I think there's some interesting targets in Colorado. Randall Gritchick might be a better suited for that role as a right-handed hitter. He's slashing 311, 339, 524 against lefties this year. And he has another year of control as well. So I like Randall Gritchick as kind of that right-handed bat uh, to replace Adam Duvall. And while you're in Colorado, Charlie Blackman from the left-handed side could be an option. Pretty expensive, but it might be an opportunity to trade some money back in that type of deal. Perhaps you know trading Will Smith as part of that and removing that running uh, money and opening up a bull, bullpen spot because the Rockies have several good relievers as well that the Braves could target. So I think the Rockies might become an interesting trade partner. Throwing a lot of names out there in terms of bats. As you know, with Alex Anthopoulos, he's probably going for someone I did not even mention. And it's probably going to be way better than the names that I mentioned. At this point, you just have to trust Alex Anthopoulos, know that he is turning over every stone out there, trying to find the right moves for the Braves to make at the deadline. But those are some names that could be available and some names that do make sense for the Braves, but Benintendi's one big one off the board. Again, for me, after that, it's Ian Happ. If not Ian Happ, I think you have to look for some sort of platoon combination, whether that's Peralta and Gritchick or Peralta and Luplo, uh, something of that regard to try to find two bats really to make one. 
Next, I want to take a look at the pitching side of things and what could be out there for starters and relievers at the deadline. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor that you love and deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. They are good for you and low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious coconut brownie chuck puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to built.com now to make sure that you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste amazing. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to built.com right now. Use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCKED15 at built.com. We talked about some of the hitters that the Braves could be targeting. Now let's switch gears and look at some of the pitchers out there. I don't think the Braves will go after Luis Castillo or Frankie Montas, who are two of the top pitching uh, targets out there, starting pitching targets out there at the deadline. I mentioned Noah Syndergaard the other day. I think he could make some sense as that three-force type pitcher in your rotation. Um, I really like Tyler Maley of the Reds, and he has some control with him, again, which would make him pricey, but I really like him as a middle-of-the-rotation starter. I think he maybe even has a little upside as a, can pitch like a two at times. Then there's guys like Jose Quintana, Nathan Evaldi, Martin Perez. Jorge Lopez of the Marlins is said to be available, but I think that price is going to be way too high for what the Braves would be willing to pay, especially in division. But you know, Thor, Maley, Quintana, Ivaldi, Perez. I think those are all legit trade candidates that the Braves could and should be going after to help bolster their mid to back of the rotation, give them some guys or get some guys who can give them some innings. So I think those are names they should be targeting as well. As far as relievers go, talked about David Robertson the earlier in the week. I think he's probably the best name out there known to be available. You go look at the Detroit Tigers, Gregory Soto, a really good pitcher, left-handed, don't never necessarily have a need for left-handed pitcher, um, but you know we'll take a great reliever of any sort. But Michael Fulmer is the name that the Braves should probably be looking at for the Tigers, right-handed pitcher, uh, has closed some games for the Tigers this year, has really you know kind of made himself into a top reliever. He's somebody that I know a lot of people wanted the Braves to trade for as a starting pitcher in the past. Now I think perhaps you have an opportunity to go get him as a reliever I think he could help boost the bullpen. Uh, Anthony Bass, right-handed pitcher with the Marlins. Carl Edwards Jr., uh, who looked pretty good with the Nationals last time the Braves saw him and obviously was part of the team last year, World Series a winner with the Cubs and the Braves. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr., uh, Josh DeMount for Kansas City, right-handed pitcher, uh, could be a solid addition. And then I mentioned the Orioles earlier. They have one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. They have some really good arms out there, but they're all young and controllable. So I don't really know the desire for the Orioles to move any of those guys. Maybe Jorge Lopez, um, who has the least amount of control of their top relievers, but it all just depends, again, probably on what the, the price is, what the Braves would be willing to give up. But the Orioles have several good relievers that you could call about. Again, tomorrow going to do a complete mailbag episode for the trade deadline so send me in any questions that you have we'll answer those on friday's episode 
But that will do it for this edition of the podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow talking about your questions, answering your questions about the trade deadline. Now make your second listen of the day Locked On MLB. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Again, thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. You can follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 